This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Why do some teenagers start using weapons while others do not? A physician studied the factors involved, and some of the reasons may surprise you. Trying to figure out whether there were different risk and protective factors for weapon involvement between white African American and Latino teens. Then, think money management is too complicated and too big a hassle to deal with? We talked to an expert who says personal finance can be incredibly simple and easy, and he shares the formula with us. And I said during the conversation, the best advice for most people is available for free, and it would basically fit on an index card. And I started getting emails saying, well, you know, where's the index card? Those two stories and more are straight ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack returns right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. What factors are there that influence whether teens get involved with weapons? It's an interesting question, and to answer it, we welcome the lead author of a recent study on the topic. She's Rashmi Shetgiri of the Los Angeles Biomedical Research Institute at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. Doctor, your research examined adolescents and their involvement with weapons. Going into the study, was there anything you were expecting to discover? What I was looking for really was trying to figure out whether there were differences in different racial and ethnic groups of adolescents, whether there are different risk and protective factors for weapon involvement between white African American and Latino teens. So what were the results of your study? What were the headlines, I guess, that came from your study? The main things were that there are some risk and protective factors that these kids have in common. For example, emotional distress or mental health is a risk factor for adolescents in all racial and ethnic groups, and so is substance use, so alcohol and drug use. But then there were also some differences between racial and ethnic groups that were really interesting. So for Latino children... Having higher levels of family connectedness was very protective against weapon involvement, and that wasn't significant for our African-American and white kids. And then also for the African-American and Latino kids, having high educational aspirations, so wanting to finish high school, wanting to go to college, was a significant protective factor. The other thing that was really interesting was that for the Latino kids, peer delinquency was not as much of a risk factor as it was for the other two groups of kids. You also looked at the differences between a teen carrying a weapon versus using a weapon. Is that right? Yes. So we looked at the proportion of kids in the study who had carried a weapon, who had threatened someone with a weapon, basically. And the third category was if they actually shot or stabbed someone. It looks like really a minority of kids who carry weapons actually end up using them. That's really reassuring. It was about 1% of white kids who actually shot or stabbed someone and 3% of African-American and Latino kids, which is a small number, and we were reassured by that. So with these findings in terms of risk factors, what sort of things could be done, in your opinion, to reduce the involvement with weapons? One of the things that I think we really need to be aware of is when we design programs for teenagers, we need to think about 
not trying to use a one-size-fits-all kind of method and really thinking about the groups of kids that we're trying to work with. So, for example, with our study, trying to tailor the programs for different racial and ethnic groups, but also keeping in mind, are there things that are consistent? So definitely addressing mental health is really important in terms of reducing weapon-related violence and any types of violence. And then also, from what we found, substance use, addressing substance use is important. So interventions that are geared at reducing weapon-related violence among teenagers might want to consider having components of evaluating kids for mental health and drug use and addressing those as part of the intervention. How important do you think parental involvement is in reducing involvement with weapons? Based on our study findings, it seems that it is important overall for all of the kids, regardless of their race or ethnicity, higher levels of family connectedness was a protective factor. So it reduced their risk of being involved with weapons. I think it's quite important. We're talking on InfoTrack with Dr. Rashmi Shedgiri of the Los Angeles Biomedical Research Institute at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. And we're talking about a study that she authored on the use of weapons by teens and the involvement with weapons. In terms of the actual age groups, were you very strictly like 13 to 19 or what was the age grouping here? It was 7th through 12th grade students. And how about the gender difference in terms of involvement? Definitely we found that regardless of what racial and ethnic group they were in, males were much more likely to be involved in weapon violence than females. How about the use of alcohol by teenagers? Is that a factor in terms of the use or the involvement with weapons? Absolutely. So we found that pretty much across the board, it increased the risk of weapon involvement for teenagers, that kids who were involved with alcohol, who were using alcohol, were more likely also to be involved with weapons. Definitely a risk factor. Do you have an actual percentage in terms of how many teens are involved with weapons? In the whole sample of all the kids, 8.5% were involved with weapons, and then if we break it down by racial and ethnic groups, it was 7% of white kids in the sample, 13.5% of African Americans, and 10% of Latinos. One of the factors you mentioned is violence exposure. What does that mean? The way we measured it was we looked at whether they had seen anyone shot or stabbed in the past year. And that was a positive, I hate to use the word positive, but that increased the risk factor. It absolutely did. It was actually one of the risk factors that we had expected to increase the risk, and it definitely did. It was kids who had been exposed to violence in the past year had about twice the likelihood of being involved with weapons of kids who hadn't been. Doctor, in conclusion, if you could wave a magic wand and change some things that would be a positive influence here, what should we look at changing? So I'd look at a couple of different things. I think there's not an easy answer for this issue. The things that ideally I would love is if we are able to identify and address mental health and substance use problems in kids in an effective way. The other part of it is also if we're able to promote some of these positive factors, which we always talk about all the different types of risk factors that teenagers have, but if we're able to really promote their relationships with their families, their goals for their future and having aspirations for their future and promoting the positive and then helping them with some of the challenges that they have like mental health and substance use, 
I think that would go, you know, a long way towards having better outcomes for kids. Yeah, you know, I've interviewed quite a number of people who have come out of very tough situations and become successful and well-adjusted. And almost universally, they mentioned having a really great mentor or role model that they could be inspired by. So it's interesting you mentioned the aspiration aspect of this, that that really does tend to steer people in the right direction. Absolutely. We didn't look at that specifically in this study, but there's a lot of research talking about how having even one person in your life that's stable and constant and having a sort of a orientation towards your future and hope for the future helps you have better outcomes. Parents, grandparents listening, don't underestimate the influence that you may have on a young person in your family. Dr. Rashmi Shetgari of the Los Angeles Biomedical Research Institute at Harbor UCLA Medical Center. Thank you so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thank you. Next, 10 easy secrets to simplify personal money management. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.